Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Meetings and Events podcast. I'm this episode's host, Tim Woodring. Today, we're going to be talking about current and emerging trends in incentive travel with Annette Gregg, CEO of Site. This episode is jam-packed with data and research to help inform your incentive program and trip design, from destination trends to changing attendee preferences. I know you'll enjoy her energy and expertise, along with a few knowledge bobs that we're going to drop along the way. So now, here's the main event. Well, I'm joined here with Annette Gregg, who is the CEO of Site. And Annette, we've been connected for a, a long time between you and Unbridled. How far back does that go? Yeah, that's one of the beauties of this industry, right, Tim? So I was working for an agency out here in San Diego and, and left them in 2009 uh, to help open up the San Diego Unbridled office. So yeah. I was uh, worked for them for about a year and and now it's flourishing out here, right? Big, successful office. So it's great. And then to come full circle, uh, <clears throat> Unbridled is one of our agencies of record for site. Yeah. So it's great. I, I really admire Unbridled and all the great work y'all continue to do. Well, yeah, everyone here is just such a fan of you. And uh, it is cool how our industry, though it's big, it's also small. And it's always about connection. And so yeah. uh, just the ability to kind of, as things change in you know, our world and in your world, continue to work together in different ways. Um, and you became the CEO of Site, I think you said 10 months ago. So uh, just real brief, tell us about, you know, Site and what you what are y'all up to? Yeah. So Site, it's an exciting time uh, to be back. And, and um, again, because incentive travel is flourishing, we'll talk about that in a minute. But so I leave site now for just a little under a year. I had just come from MPI, uh, got a senior level role over there. So it's really fun to be and still in the business event space. I've been a member of site for many, many years. And when I was with LPL Financial, planned many big incentive programs myself. So it's, I just love this community. This community is very international. It's a very creative space. Um, we're, we've been around 50 years and have a lot of longtime members that have so much passion and, and there's so much mentorship and, and kind of, uh, guidance for the new members because we also have 800 new members this year so a oh, lot of people awesome. kind of entering it's amazing right yes, yeah. so we still have to drill down are those people new to the industry or just new to site because we know that so much of our industry turned over since covid so it's an exciting time for all of us uh in the association space to really provide that networking and community and education for all these new entrants into our space so we're busy and and loving every minute of it and rocking and rolling i bet a lot of travel yeah. too Oh yeah. Yep. Great, great places. Because the places where we do our conferences, we have about five or six we do every year, are incentive destinations. Yeah. So it's just really this kind of, we'll get into this, is really in that that kind of full destination immersion. So it, it's been a delight to see some of these places for sure. Yeah. Yeah. As it's one of the, the beauties of uh, our industry, but also specifically incentive travel. You know, our planners yeah. are always looking for more incentive trips just because of, you know, the ability to go and, and see these places. And it's one of the things that I think it's fun to see young people in our industry discover is that like, wow, I, can, I get to do this as a part of work. Um, right. And, you know, so right. you mentioned the the change and in the industry and with some of the players and things like that. I think one of the things that we've been talking with a lot of our clients and corporate event planners about is the incentive trip. It seems like in a sense, yes, we're back, we're flourishing, but is it completely back to the way things were before or have things changed? You know, there's kind of a, right. a template per se for incentive trips. It's a, 
four to five day trip. You know, a, a lot of them include plus ones. Uh, oftentimes executives from uh, organizations go, um, you know, we there's some trends in terms of destinations and some of that seems cyclical, some of it's new. Right. And so I'd love to get, right. you know, it's one of the things that I love about uh, the associations in our industry is just that we have this voice that is kind of really just interested in advancing our craft and in what people are doing. And so I'd love to get your thoughts on like, is the template the same or are things changing? Yeah. So what we know, and a lot of this stuff I'm going to be talking from Tim is our data that we do um, from our incentive uh, travel index report, our annual report, which the results have just come out. So we do that in conjunction with IRF, the Incentive Research Foundation every year. And then we also have some data that it comes from our own research that we've done where we interviewed corporate ed users, the actual qualifiers themselves, and then the CEO that kind of owns the budget. And where does that data converge uh, or, or not or contradict? So all of that is uh, free and online at siteglobal.org for anybody. Uh, or sorry, .com. So the exciting thing right now is that incentive travel, it's one of the first things that came back after the pandemic. And the reason being is that incentive travel programs aren't really done well online. So we didn't have a, a very robust or powerful virtual alternative where people felt truly rewarded by some kind of you know virtual component. So yep. they might've done a gifting program or something else. So as soon as uh, meetings could be safely done again, I think that's why you saw the incentive travel come back because everyone in those that trifecta, the designers, the end user, I'm sorry, the actual qualifier and the budget owner, all of them and the data continues to show is that incentive travel is still very, very effective as a key motivator to drive businesses forward. So 91% uh, of, of respondents to our survey said they see incentive travel as very or extremely motivating as far as meeting their goals and, and kind of creating the actions that are intended. So that's why we saw uh, a lot of our, our members, a lot of our kind of event ecosystem here so busy on incentive travel. Yeah. But to your point, um, as far as, you know, is it back as full? So the programs are still happening, but because uh, we have this kind of headwind of uh, still cost. So we're seeing inflation uh, driving up costs, but we're also seeing that luxury sector in hotels, that ADR and that cost is actually outpacing other segments of hotels. Mm. So those are the hotels we use for incentive programs. Right. So you're still seeing a lot of budget pressure on these programs, these incentive travel programs. And even though airfare definitely was a driver too in some of that cost overage, but now that's coming down a little bit. So you're seeing the programs happen, but maybe they're sending up a little bit of fewer people. Interestingly enough, that kind of contradicts another wave uh, or another um, trend we're seeing where because of the work from home environment and the hybrid environment, uh, owners of these incentive travel programs, uh, the, particularly the corporate entities, are, are seeing them as a dual purpose. So they don't have the sales team coming into the office anymore, or maybe they never did because it's always been remote. Well, sure. now tagging on to the incentive travel program, maybe the first two days or the last two days afterwards, after the qualifiers leave, they might have an internal staff meeting. So we are seeing kind of multi-uses of the incentive travel program, which is great. Right? We want more room nights. We want more people staying longer. And then we actually really just want community. So whatever these live events can do to kind of promote community, to help people build that culture of the workplace in a fully remote environment, that's all good news for, for incentive travel. Yeah. And so you, you talked about this idea of kind of the, the trifecta, this triangle of the involved parties within incentive trips. 
What do you think each party is really wanting or looking for? Yeah, and that is so interesting in the data. So when you look at the design work, uh, you start drilling down like the design of these programs themselves, you know, that four to five day program. What do they really want? So one of those tension points is that the end user, that qualifier, that attendee, if you will, they still want some free time baked in there. And especially because they didn't get to travel with their spouse for a few years. Uh, they're still, they don't want information overload. They don't want too many people. I work 100% remote now. I don't want too many people around. So they still want plenty of free time baked into that program. And meanwhile, you go back to the event designer and that budget owner, uh, they want intentional activities for team building and to create relationship. So here we have the owners of these events wanting to say, hey, I, I got to get to these qualifiers better. So let's have some real intentional breakout or uh, team building activities. And then the qualifier saying, hey, not so much. You know, yeah. so we just it goes back to, you know, as event designers, experienced designers, we have to just really know that audience. What is that allowable uh, balance? You know, do we have to keep shoving all this education down their throat? Can we create a little more white space in the agenda for them to just everybody to decompress? And then maybe you're you're double you're double dipping a little bit, maybe as an activity or some kind of active um, alternative uh, or offering. You actually can create it as a networking, you know, walk and talk with an executive or something like that. So just to, it's all going to be in the design, you know, of how we balance all these these needs. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, that is the challenge in design is like working within these limitations and these, and that tension of like, okay, so they want more free time, but yet yeah. we're spending a lot of money to, uh, to do this trip and their stakeholders and they want goals. And so, you know, it, the question may be, you know, how do you almost make it facilitate free time in a way that also may accomplish connection? And so sometimes it's, it's really creating the environment and that could be the venue that could be the reception design. That could be obviously the agenda design um, and, and other things. And and so and I I think that that dynamic you know is also true. We hear that from designers and from planners is that there's so many things you know like all of a yeah. sudden they've got do I need to think of CSR in my activity? Right. You know sustainability, right. um, yeah. social awareness, and cultural awareness around the locations yeah. that we're going. In addition to that, you yeah. might have budget pressures and, you know, you know, so you've got like all of these things that are coming at the designer and the planner. Um, and it's yeah. it's a tough nut to crack. It's so true. And I think I just uh, came back from one that we did ourselves at site and it's a it's a conference, but we do pattern it like an incentive program. So we give our our participants an idea of what they can do. And one thing I think we could have shaved some time off is in the education. So you go back to that traditional model of that 45 minute keynote and you really, it's just not how people learn anymore. Yeah. Right. Tim, you know, people can't sit still that long. So, you know, maybe we're going more of that Ted talk, really breaking the mold on that side. So they carve out a little bit more time for intentional networking. Um, maybe you turn some of that education into tabletop discussions. So there that checks the box for networking. And then you can really allow more free time with the spouse or the partner uh, in the afternoon. So I think the whole programs just need a fresh look, yeah. you know, based on kind of where everybody is emotionally and psychologically now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot coming at people and there's, there's also some debt as you were talking about. Some people refer to that yeah. as the revenge travel and, you know, yeah. um, all of that stuff, but the changing needs of the attendees mm -hmm. is, is certainly shaping that. Um, speaking of shaping things, uh, you know, what are you seeing in terms of trends? You know, we saw a couple years ago, our clients really wanted to stay closer 
to home with their incentive travel. Yeah. So we got a lot of Hawaii, you know, um, some Sunbelt destinations and, and maybe a little bit of the Caribbean, but, but nearby. Yeah. And it seems yeah. like even just recently, like Europe is blowing up and people are really looking for new ideas too. What are you seeing in terms of destination or other trends? Yeah. I know you're spot on, you know, our data was showing the same thing. So for those programs that were maybe the first or second ones out of the gate after the pandemic, they were safe. They were that sun and sun and fun closer to home. We don't know how the travel experience is going to be or how comfortable people are going to be in some of these more exotic destinations. And then what you're seeing for 24, 25 and beyond is everything is back. Cruising is back in big, big way. And then absolutely uh, Europe. And it's interesting too, some of this is driven by this bucket list mentality where it's like, look, I don't want to wait anymore. I want to go see that marquee destination, Paris or London, whatever it is that uh, I, I may not get a chance to see again, you know, once once that ability was taken away from me. Then you're also seeing these really interesting, uh, I call them newer, but they're not newer to Europeans, but newer to me, destinations like Slovenia and some of those in, more on the Easter side of Europe, Croatia, some of these more a, a different spin on Italy or, or what have you. So Europe, but Europe in um, so it's kind of a newer spin. So I love that. And then, of course, you're seeing some of that traditional, like a little bit more growth back into the Middle East. Africa's coming. It's a little bit slower, but people kind of going on that safari again, that that's going to take a couple more years. Again, people's just still not comfortable uh, entirely with, with some of these regions. You're seeing the Chinese travel, interesting enough, China as an outbound traveler, that's on a huge rise. So some of those outbound incentive programs, incentives going into China, still uh, slower to recover, but but definitely on the rebound. The other thing I think is super cool right now and an opportunity for us as designers is really thinking about who's attending. So the big wave of worker, at least in the US is probably global as well, but it'll like there's so many stats around this, but the one I kind of go off with is this more conservative one. By 2030, uh, more than half of the workplace will be under 40 years old. Mm. So if you think about that is your new attendee and qualifier, that's your new corporate end user, that's that you know, that is your agency uh, designer. So that is now again, not every 28 to 40 year old has the same Sir, preferences. Yeah, but, we're but talking in generalities. Values. Yeah, exactly. And those are folks that are very well traveled and very comfortable, and they're also very adventurous. So what what our data is showing is that they want um, authentic, immersive destination choice and also activities while they're there. So I think why I love this is that I just think it's a real opportunity for destinations that have a real story to tell. Get them off site. Uh, at least for a day or two, get them offsite that beautiful resort, but really work with your DMC to unlock some of the, the non-traditional hidden gems because those new attendees and those younger attendees, they don't want something that's all polished and, and you know, it's that, that same activity that's been done for 10, 15 years. You know, they want to go where the locals go. They're going to take something that's maybe not as perfect, uh, but it's an authentic thing. And they, they just, they want it to feel like it's reflective of the culture and not something so manufactured. So I just think that's a lot of fun. And we as designers could really take a little bit more uh, chances that we did in the past with that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, what a, what a beautiful palette for a designer who wants to practice some creativity into, yeah. you know, creating and crafting, curating that authentic experience. You know, one of the things that I think is, and I don't use this word lightly, magical 
about travel and particularly incentive travel is, you know, there's a, there's a, a neurobiology around this that is wildly impactful and meaningful in that, you know, I, just from personal experience, I can tell you almost every detail of a trip that I took to Cinque Terre in 2008. Yeah. I couldn't tell you maybe a thing that happened in April of that year, you yeah. know, because yeah. every day blends into the other and you get into this routine and, and there's no real reason to record and retain many of those memories. But when you're in a new place, you're experiencing new things, you, you, all of your senses come alive and all of a oh, sudden you, you just you're beginning to retain that and your brain stores that in a unique and different way. And so yeah. I think that, you know, so spot more ability from the designer to accomplish that and, and not being more welcome, I think is really cool because with many destinations, in a sense, they're kind of set it and forget it. Not that that's saying, but there's, there may be a path to just hit the easy button. You know, the venue right. itself is beautiful. You know, I think of all inclusives. I think of, you know, some of the, the destinations and their offerings. And that's, a, that's an important trip. And that's an important function is just rex, rest and relaxation. But also, you know, crafting something that looks more authentic, uh, I think is, is really cool. And I'd love to see more of that in our industry. Oh my gosh. I love this whole conversation about neuroscience. We can nerd out for a long time on this, but you're right. You know, that the brain is more receptive to learning when you've kind of put it in an uncertain spot. So it has to wake up a little bit, yeah. right? When you've taken it out of the predictable, it has to wake up and be more alert. And so it's going to retain more of that information, actually engage better with that information. So I love that idea. Like let's get them off property and actually immersive learning. You can do some of these things. It doesn't have to just be an activity offsite. It can be an immersive learning activity where they're walking around, uh, you know, the setting with a docent that's going to talk about something that's relevant to the learning part. So again, checking a couple boxes with activity plus learning there. I love that. And it also got me uh, thinking about another thing that's important coming out of our data is the sustainability piece. The sustainability, we'll just call it kind of social causes in general. Again, this younger generation, um, they do want authenticity in the brand promise as well. Mm. So a company that walks the talk, whether it is this, the hotel product that you're using or even the agency that they're going through, they're going to want authenticity in that. If you say you stand for sustainability and you represent, uh, you give back and, and pay homage to the setting you're in, say you're on some Native American land or whatever, you know, that kind of storytelling is really going to resonate with uh, the current and and new newcomer to these incentive programs. So again, a great opportunity for us as designers working with your DMC and your your destination management. I mean, marketing organization, your CVB. You know, if they they want to hear that story. It's going to help you in your pre promotions. You know, it's not just about some lovely hotel, which we know is a key part of it, and that lovely beach. But what about the history there? What about the give back there? You know, what are we going to do as program designers to leave the destination better than we found it? How are we going to respect um, the environment when they're and take care to not you know, do the harm with our carbon footprint? So all of that is important to this next wave of atten uh, attendee and, and qualifier. And so, again, just a great opportunity for us to paint a more robust picture with that, that experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned, you know, marketing and, and even storytelling around the program and the travel. And I think that's one thing we're seeing with our clients is that, yeah. you know, these, uh, these are more of programs than, than just a trip. Yeah. And yes, there's qualifications and yes, you know, uh, there is a trip and that's kind of the big 
moment, but we know from at least leisure travel that about half the value in a trip is in the anticipation of the trip. And it's in something to look forward to and to hope to. And I think the same is true um, with these incentive programs. That's why they consistently outperform cash uh, alternatives, uh, you know, as in terms of a motivator. But, you know, one of the things that we talked about um, in some of our prep for this that I thought was really interesting was that we're seeing a, also some some change in terms of maybe uh, what uh, what measurements or, or qualifications uh, are uh, going into some of these programs, but then also um, some of who's attending. Maybe it's not just salespeople. I totally agree, Tim. Again, another exciting opportunity for incentive travel is we're seeing corporate uh, end users use these programs to reward different constituencies. It's not just your top salespeople, but now we're seeing, again, probably because of this virtual uh, environment that we're all working in, and there's a real struggle for culture building, but you're seeing, say, you know, a, a, just a top um, coworker, you know, that's been voted by her team as being the best team player. She gets to win the trip. So we're seeing that companies using this kind of incentive reward uh, for a travel as an incentive for non-salespeople as well, which, again, it goes back to our data, sh same thing and all that we were talking about. You know, how do people feel rewarded? And we still see travel and destinations rank the number one reason that people go for these things. And it just carries a little bit more weight. That experience carries a little bit more weight than, say, a gift card. Um, and so that's why I love seeing that co corporations are using the same mentality uh, to, to, to reward people in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been such a great conversation. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I'm hearing is that, you know, for designers, you've got permission to get more creative, more authentic, and think about some destinations that may not be you know, the first thought in terms of uh, some of the places that we've been in the past. Um, so, and you mentioned a uh, bucket list to reference some of those uh, destinations. What's on your bucket list for a place that you're going to go? Oh yeah, that's such a good question. You know, I, and I, uh, my husband and I are definitely adventure travel people. So we haven't done some of those uh, marquee things like Machu Picchu and some of those that are probably on my list, uh, to, for as far as like a, a good a, um, adventurous one, yeah. But then for me personally too, I, I'm a I'm a beach gal, and I have never been to some of these quintessential like uh, Seychelles or Mauritius things like that. I also could go back to the French Polynesia islands; uh, those are lovely. So, yeah. but you know, me, I, I'll take any of it. It's I just love traveling so much. I love being immersed in other cultures, and and I just I think that traveling just breaks down boundaries for all of us, makes us better global citizens. So yeah. Absolutely. Keep traveling, everybody. Yeah. Well, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for your time, Annette, and uh, looking forward to continuing the conversation. I love the data from Site and from uh, the Incentive Research Foundation. So uh, I, wh where should people go to, to get some of that? Yeah, go to siteglobal.com, and then there's a research tab right up on top. And again, all free. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, and Thanks for having me. And again, just another plug for you all at Unbridled. You guys are doing such good work. You walk the talk. Uh, you give back every time you do, uh, you do a project for, for people. So I'm just so proud to know you personally. Thank you. That's sweet. All righty. We'll talk later. Okay. Sounds good. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Annette Gray. If you haven't already, please subscribe and stay tuned for more episodes of the Meetings and Events podcast where we host thought leaders like Annette and discuss best practices related to meetings and events. In the meantime, we wish you all the best. 
be well, seek good, and bye for now.